You are listening to Mama's Roots Are Showing podcast, where we recognize that we get one motherhood and our children get one childhood. If you'd rather not wing it, if finding yourself in motherhood sounds better than losing yourself in motherhood, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Nicola, and I invite you to join me as we explore the nooks and crannies of this once-in-a-lifetime journey. So get comfortable, grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine, and take some time for you. I want to introduce you to a wonderful company called Dry Farm Wines. So I learned about a little over a year ago that wine can be labeled organic, and yet all that means is that the grapes were farmed organically. And it can have up to 76 awful ingredients in it that don't have to be shared on a nutrition label. Dry Farm Wines is solving this problem. They only source the best organic, biodynamic wine from all around the world. They have a subscription that is right for everyone. You can do it uh, three bottles every once a month, every three months. You can do six bottles, you can do 12 bottles, you can do reds, you can do whites, you can do bubbly. And I promise you that you are going to enjoy every single bottle and you can feel good about it because you're actually gaining the health benefits from drinking these beautiful wines. As a Mama's Roots Are Showing listener, you can visit them at dryfarmwines.com forward slash Mama's Roots. That's M-A-M-A-S-R-O-O-T-S, which I have a link in the show notes. And you can get an extra bottle of wine for one penny by using that link. So please check them out. I would appreciate it. And know that when you do, you are supporting my little family. So I took a little bit of a hiatus um, in the summer months because of just our family and that time being so precious to us. But I'm really excited to jump back into the podcast and I'm very excited to announce the season theme for season two, and that is relationships. So this season, we're going to be talking about our relationships to very specific things, not just our spouses or our children. We're going to be talking about things like our relationship to our body and our relationship with our cell phone, our relationship with our finances, and taking a deep dive into those and doing some deconstruction. Um, Today, I'm very excited to talk about our relationship with nature. We are going to be talking about using nature as a way to connect with ourselves, to connect with our families, and to tackle some of the issues that our society is struggling with. I don't want to be an alarmist, I don't, but many kids today are suffering and the evidence is raw, it's alarming, it's scary. We're seeing major declines in physical and mental health among all age categories. Today's childhood is spent indoors, really, and indoors certainly more than any generation prior. So today we're going to talk about the evidence, the statistical scientific evidence that really shows the connection that humans need to have to nature. And then we're going to talk about perhaps why we are resisting nature 
and how we can tackle that and then how we can really make nature a part of our family culture. The book that I'm going to be utilizing a lot to explore this is a wonderful book. And if you are interested in this topic, you have to read Last Child in the Woods by Richard Louvre. It was a national bestseller, and it is just riddled with so much information, the scientific research that tackles this issue. And in it, Richard talks about how our country, our society in particular, is suffering from what he has coined a nature deficit disorder. And due to this, we are seeing these declines. Now, I do want to make a disclaimer here today. As we begin discussing this, we're going to be talking about things like depression and ADD, ADHD, um, behavioral disorders, things of that nature, and not in a lot of detail. And that's because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist. I am a mama who loves researching topics like these and likes to add information like this to my tool belt. And I'm here to share these ideas with all of you. And so I do encourage you to take a look at your own family, your own connection to nature, and to see if it needs to be reevaluated. And of course, to continue your own research in this very, very interesting topic. So the evidence is very clear that we are seeing our physical health decline as a society, and it's across all age groups. So I just want to share some statistics with you guys real quick here, and I need to find it in the book. There's so many things I have highlighted in here. Um, Now, keep in mind that this book was written, this version was published in 2008, but the Centers for Disease Control reported that the number of overweight adult Americans, these are for adults, increased over 60% between 1991 and 2000. According to the CDC, the U.S. population of overweight children between ages 2 and 5 two and five, increased by almost 36% from 1989 to 1999, and approximately 60% of obese children ages 5 to 10 have at least one cardiovascular disease risk factor. For the first time since World War II, pediatricians are now warning today's children may be the first generation of Americans to die at an earlier age than their parents. Startling. So we're also seeing a huge decline in our mental health. So we're seeing increased diagnosis of ADD, of depression. It is something that we need to take a look at. A two, there was a 2003 survey that was published in the Journal of Psychiatric Services and found that the rate at which American children are now prescribed antidepressants almost doubled in five years. And there's more to that. The steepest increase, 66%, was among preschool children. We're seeing preschool children being prescribed antidepressants in a way that has never been seen before. It's worth noting, of course, that there are 
countless children who suffer from mental illness, um, behavioral disorders, and they do benefit from medication. However, we're really overlooking the use of nature as preventative therapy and also as an alternative therapy. Now let's talk about the evidence that shows how nature is very helpful. Obviously, the physical side is pretty easy to understand. When you're outside, you're moving, you're climbing trees, you're riding bikes, you might be hiking. Your body is not sedentary, you're moving. Whereas when you're inside, we're often in front of screens. We're watching, sitting down watching TV. We are sitting down playing at a computer. We are very sedentary. And our bodies are not meant to be sedentary. Humans were meant to move. And so obviously, the physical health decline is pretty evident when you find yourself indoors rather than outdoors. The outdoors simply lends itself to movement, right? When you're outdoors, you are going to see less obesity, you are going to see less cardiovascular issues. That one is pretty obvious. Being in outdoors also plays a huge role in our mental health. Researchers in England and Sweden, they found that joggers who did their exercise outdoors in these natural green settings with trees and landscape views, they feel more restored, less anxious, less angry, less depressed than people who burn the same amount of calories in gyms or other settings that are more industrial. Exercise is definitely key to our physical health, but there is also this mental side to it as well. And if we can take that time when we are moving our body outdoors, we're going to see much greater benefits. Regarding our mental health, there was a study done at the University of Illinois in which they found that green outdoor spaces really fostered creative play. They improved a children's access to positive adult interaction and they relieved the symptoms of attention deficit disorders. And they found that the greener the setting, the more relief was experienced. By comparison, though, and this only makes sense, activities that are indoors, such as watching TV, playing video games, or even being outdoors but in non-green areas, those concrete jungles that we often speak of, those actually created an increase in attention deficit disorders. What we're seeing is that there is a direct correlation between being in nature and this reduction of behavioral disorders. We're even seeing a growing body evidence, a growing body of evidence in reducing depression by being outside. And some of this is really intuitive. I think that if you grew up with a connection to nature, it's very easy for us to recognize that when we're feeling depressed, when we're sad, when we're needing to clear our head, a simple walk will help us achieve that. But unfortunately, each generation is seeing less and less and less of this connection to nature, and we are suffering because of it. So why are we seeing this decline in using nature as the salve that it can be for so many of these issues that are plaguing our society? Well, one of them is time, right? We need to have loose, unstructured play to experience nature in a meaningful way. Unfortunately, this has become 
a real scarce resource in today's society. So schools are shifting to more time spent on academics and less time outside. Kids are being sent to school earlier, full day programs. There's a lot of reasons behind that, but unfortunately, they're not being able to just freely play outdoors. A lot of this is also due to the after-school activities. So we might think that, oh, well, my kids are at soccer practice for an hour after school, so that's great. Well, they might be outdoors, but that's not what Richard Louvre is talking about in his book. What he's talking about is having this real connection to nature, and organized sports don't allow for that. When you're playing soccer, when you're playing any organized sport, the sport itself is the focus. You might be outdoors, but you're not actually experiencing nature and you're not free to do that because you're being put through drills and things of that nature, right? In fact, if oftentimes if your child is playing in the sand on the t-ball field or being what many deem as distracted out on the soccer field, they're actually scolded for this, right? It's interesting because in his book, Richard Louvre talks about a young girl who he asked about her free time. And she said, well, I don't have free time. And I think she was eight or nine years old. And she said, well, I have piano lessons for an hour after school. And then I have to go to soccer practice. And then I have to do my homework. And by the time I get home, I have to get cleaned up and I don't really have any free time. And although it really is important for us to provide these opportunities, like I play the piano, love the piano. Um, I think organized sports are amazing. I have coached t-ball. My husband coaches baseball. We have to strike a balance or at least attempt to. Carving out every single hour of the day for our children to be doing something doesn't actually allow them the free time that is so crucial for their development, not just physically, not just from a mental standpoint, but even from an emotional standpoint. They need to have that free time. Time is really scarce now. And we live in a society where having all of your evenings scheduled for your children from the time that they're five years old and on is common. And we need to guard their free, unstructured time. We also, as many of us know, um, screen time is taking up so much of our children's time. Kids age 8 to 18 now spend 45 hours a week on electronics. Think about that. That's over a work week. Kids ages 8 to 10 spend about 6 hours a day. Kids 11 to 14 spend about 9 hours a day in front of of a screen. So that is robbing us of our time of being out in nature. Something else that serves as a roadblock to getting out in nature is fear. There is a real fear of letting our kids just be in nature. And some of this is derived from, you know, the fear of traffic and how our kids could be in an area where they might be at risk due to traffic or Stranger danger plays a major role in this. Letting our kids roam freely puts them at risk at being abducted. And Richard Louvre talks about how actually the evidence for this is completely opposite. So we may hear stories of these types of things happening, but they're happening less and less every year. And so we really need to step back and ask ourselves, am I being over the top with this issue? 
And are there ways for me to tackle my fears and my anxieties and yet still allow my children to play outdoors freely, unstructured? And having a real honest look at that. Another fear is based in nature itself. So we often fear you know, if our children are going to climb trees, are they going to get hurt, right? That's always the question as they're climbing rocks, as they're playing in a creek. Are they going to come across bees? Are they going to come across a wild animal? And so a lot of the reason why we take children out of nature is because we have this sense of fear of nature itself, And once again, if we educate ourselves on nature, if we ourselves go out into nature with our children, a lot of this is going to be minimized. So ask yourself, why am I resisting nature? Is it because your time is spent? Is it because your time is spent doing all these activities? And so you don't have any time carved out for just being in nature. Is it that you have some of these fears of stranger danger, fear of nature itself. It's really important that you ask yourself those questions. Once we understand that maybe our resistance is due to time, due to fear, what can be done about it? So now that we understand the power of nature and we understand that that it is this useful salve for many of the issues that are plaguing our society, physical issues, mental health issues, obesity, sleep issues, behavioral issues, depression. Once we make that connection and we understand that it has power, the next thing we have to do is take a look at why we aren't using nature. What is stopping us? What are the roadblocks? And if it's just a matter of restructuring our family culture and saying no to all of these extracurricular activities after school, Maybe it's carving out time on the weekends. Perhaps we need to take a real look at some of the anxieties that we have surrounding nature. This is what is going to put us in the posture to now make nature a part of our family culture. And one of the most important things that we can do as parents in every situation, right, is to lead by example. Take a look at what your screen time looks like. Take a look at how you are connecting with nature. Maybe you need to start from scratch. Maybe you simply need to reconnect with nature because you used to have a true relationship with it. But there are ways to do this. It's wonderful for us to model if we're having a bad day, if we're having a bad moment, to say out loud to our children, I have to go for a walk because nature always helps me clear my head and feel better. Our kids take note of those types of things. When we make time to go outside and just look at the stars, to notice how the trees are changing, those things build and build and build. And our actions speak way more than our words, right? So make sure that we are modeling that nature is important. And we need to carve out that time in order to do it. And that's what it's going to take. It's carving out that time. It might mean saying no to some of these extracurricular activities and also recognizing opportunities where we can connect with nature. So, of course, going on, you know, a week long camping trip to Yellowstone would be amazing, but it's not always obtainable. 
The great thing about nature is that it is everywhere. And to highlight this, I want to talk about a story that Julie Bogart, who is a homeschooling veteran and very well known in that space, talks about. Um, She had planned a day for her children to go to the zoo. And during that time in her life, um, they lived in a city somewhere. And I forget what happened, but somehow those plans were derailed and they weren't going to the zoo anymore. And she was frustrated. She was angry. And she took her kids out for a walk outside. And again, this is sort of in the concrete jungle. And she happened to notice that her little child was looking within the cracks of the sidewalk. And Julie paused and she recognized that her daughter was experiencing nature right in that moment. She didn't need to be taken to the zoo because right in the cracks were all these bugs that were doing these fascinating things. And all that she had to do was recognize that opportunity and allow it. And so she did. And she often uses that example in her lectures. And I think it's a really important thing for us to keep in mind that, yes, it's great to grab your bikes and go to some bike trails. But you can also, no matter where you're at in the world, look up to the sky and do some cloud spotting with your kids. You can watch the birds fly. What we're trying to achieve here in order to make nature have this impact is this connection where we're noticing things about nature. Take in the seasons. Notice a tree in your neighborhood and how it's changing. Talk to your children about how nature has had an impact in your own life. Talk about some of your favorite memories in nature And this is especially important if you're seeing some resistance from our kids, right? Because if they're so used to being in front of a TV or playing video games throughout the day, you can pretty much plan on being some resistance as you introduce nature. But if you begin explaining to them how it's played a role in your life, they're listening and they're going to be more likely to join with you as you ask them to go for a walk outside. So again, it's finding this connection to nature, because when we realize that nature is all around us, we realize that we are a part of nature. Nature provides this unique opportunity for us to understand that we are so small, and yet we are connected to this world, to this universe in this beautiful way. And it's that connection that relationship that is so soothing that we can use when we're having a bad day, a bad moment, where we can reconnect and become grounded. So today, take some time to think about how nature is playing a role in your family and be honest with yourself about how you're prioritizing it. What are the roadblocks that are preventing you from making nature a huge part of your life? How can you shift that? How can you change that? And then simply implementing it. There are so many ways to do this. It can be just going for a walk after dinner with your family. It can be going on a scavenger hunt and looking for bugs outside. It can be just stepping out into your backyard and breathing the fresh air. It doesn't have to be a daunting task, but the results are so transformative. 
If you're looking for a deeper dive into this, I cannot stress enough reading Last Child in the Woods. With the knowledge of knowing how nature can impact us, let's make it a priority again. Find ways to do so, and you're going to love the results. I hope that you found this episode very useful. If you have, I would love it if you would leave a review and rate the podcast wherever you are listening and share this podcast with a friend. That not only encourages me as I put these podcasts out, but it also helps other mamas find me. As always, we are in this together.